is Ryan with Product Hunt Radio. I'm here with Eric, another Ryan, Bratop, and Noah. All right, I am uh, Noah. I'm a partner at Cowboy Ventures. Yeah, I'm Pratap. I'm a co-founder of Kimono Labs. Ryan, another co-founder of Kimono Labs. And then, of course, Eric just got back from Sundance. Yeah. My oh. first time in Utah. Yeah. I'd only seen Book of Mormon. That was my prior, <laughs> only prior experience in Utah. Uh, and I was, I was very impressed. Awesome. I was impressed with Book of Mormon, too, so I, I, I was excited for it. Was it yeah. like that in real life? Uh, I, I was only there for two days, so I really didn't get to see the... Did you see the Book of Mormon? Yeah. I didn't get to see... Uh, I didn't see any singing Mormons. Okay. <laughs> but maybe if <laughs> I stayed there longer, who knows? Yeah, I really want to see it sometime. It's great. Yeah. 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 So today was kind of interesting. This morning, Twitter Twitter first announced their group DMs, which I've been waiting for DMs to, to be improved for a long time. I think DMs have just been terrible on Twitter and having private conversations. They also released video, uh, th- three second video as well. And then about an hour later, Snapchat also then released their discover feature, which I think is really interesting. It's kind of their, their push towards the media space and creating more content. And um, have you guys seen it? I, I saw the article. I haven't actually played with the new uh, Twitter features, but I thought it was interesting in light of the you know acquisition of Vine and uh, yeah. moving into longer video. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't yet played with the DM feature yet because I think it's slowly rolling out. It's not actually available yet, but mm. having the ability to group DM, you know, moving into the, the private messaging space, which everyone knows is like blowing up and Twitter's in a really good position, I think, to enter that market, but it's always been such a public forum and more of a broadcast medium. Um, but I'm excited to, to try it out. Um, and, and does that just work like a standard group chat? As far as I know, I haven't been able to play with it, but yeah, as far as I know, you can now DM just like you normally do. What, what is kind of cool, somebody, somebody on Product Hunt mentioned this use case is uh, Twitter is such a uh, you know, public place where you can meet and get connected to a lot of people. And on this group DM feature, you can actually introduce other people that maybe aren't following each other. So like Noah, if, if I wanted to introduce you to like some founder or something, I can now do it through Twitter in a private message rather than like through email. And it's actually kind of an interesting use case. Because I often am interacting with so many different people who I'm both familiar and unfamiliar with. Do, do you think that the uh, introduction of private groups will diminish the quality of the conversations, the public discourse that happens? I mean, that part mm-hmm. of it is uh, the fun is to be a voyeur and getting to sit in and watch, you know, these these tweet battles back and yeah. forth. I think that's some of the concern. I think Dick Dick mentioned that in one of his interviews, and in that he had I don't know the words exactly that he used, but it sounded like he had some concerns around that in that it's kind of a town hall and it's a public forum for the most part and they didn't want to push people to private kind of conversations. Um, clearly they've changed. Maybe there's some of their position. I don't know. And it's interesting because it sort of makes it so much more like a natural conversation medium, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think when we were early on exploring social media, kimono, just how to do it, people, the advice we got was treat it as if you were in a conversation in a bar. Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, don't walk in and start promoting yourself necessarily. But it's interesting here because that's something that you would do naturally. So in theory, it should be able to just drive up engagement. Which yeah, see. I would think so. And it, it may actually take possibly some market share or at least some attention from other private messaging applications. And you don't have to be mutually following everyone in the group? As far as I know, I, I should have checked, but as far as I know, you don't have to. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually also introducing a way to converse privately with someone that you're not actually having a relationship with. Exactly. Which is interesting. Yeah, but you still have some sort of tie of trust with someone that you're mutually connected to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool. The video feature is also interesting. Um, I, I'm, again, have not played with it yet, but I think that's fascinating because, again, they, you mentioned they, they have 
Vine. Vine is part of Twitter, but now they have their own like native. So are they going to sort of compete? Is that like a Google Video YouTube situation? I don't know. Like video is is becoming. Facebook is doubling down on video in terms of just my own anecdotal experience. They I see video all the time in my mobile feed and also online. It's auto playing. Video seems to be more and more prevalent and, and focused on by startups. Is that just me? Well, I mean, it, I think they've proven that it's, if it's more engaging in your timeline, then it's mm-hmm. going to do better and it's going to mm-hmm. kind of bring you back. And video is obviously the, the most engaging form of content, as long as it's short form and not like distracting or an advertisement mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the right move. Do you, have you been getting more pitches for video-based startups, Noah? Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot a lot of those lately. Um, in particular, uh, we've been seeing a lot of companies that are um, pitching an ability to uh, to click on the different products that are featured in videos and then engage straight into uh, to e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's, that's interesting. I know that there's been some companies that have tried that with uh, images in the past. I think Stipple was one that was known for... Uh, for not doing, uh, not not quite making it, but um, I think the idea is really interesting. I haven't really thought through yet how you know through video how are you going to differentiate yourself and do you take over the transaction uh, externally? Do you hand them off? Are you building kind of this large affiliate network? So, mm-hmm. but I, I am definitely seeing a lot of people who are recognizing the value and importance of video, uh, and then trying to figure out how do you take the next step and connect uh, brands to connect with those uh, with those end users and mm-hmm. ultimately monetize them. Yeah. So, I mean, is it is it about the identification of product inside of videos? Yeah. So, for example, uh, I'm you know watching uh, my favorite you know Taylor Swift video, and I can, <laughs> which I never As watch. You do. <laughs> As you do. Uh, and you know, to stay in touch with the youngins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, my friend told me about her, um, and uh, but you could then you know click on the dress that she's wearing yeah, and sure. say okay get all the details where can you buy it etc etc or but you don't do that right no definitely not. no <laughs> no come on um, but uh, yeah so i definitely seen that type of uh, an application and then you know, taking the catalogs of, of information and then embedding it into the video so that you can make those um, clicks actionable hmm. so i just pulled up snapchat's discover feed which mm-hmm. fascinating i've always I love Snapchat. I know Noah, you use Snapchat. I saw your snaps in some some New York place. It looked pretty nice. Uh, yeah, it was right? actually. Um, I've uh, I've been involved with the United Way for a number of years now, and so mm-hmm. we had a uh, event in New York to uh, to help sponsor a school in uh, in the South Bronx to uh, awesome. to help um, help with a lot of their programs. So um, yeah, I was in New York and then decided to Snapchat a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the best way to stay in touch with. Some of the people that my friends that use it on a daily basis. Um, you got Snapchat? Not too much. I mean, we, at, at one point we were, I was sort of trying to understand Snapchat a little bit better, <laughs> and it was funny because I was hanging out with my nineteen-year-old um, relative, and I was like, "Well, how do you, you know, use this? Like, what, what exactly are you doing?" And what was fascinating for me was he would often, instead of sending a text message, he would write something on a piece of paper and Snapchat it to a friend. And that was a common, um, he was at Berkeley and this was apparently like a common medium of communication. Mm-hmm. Did he hand write something? Hands was right. it, was it a drawing or just a just just text? Like, just even a word. Even a word like, mm-hmm. what's up? And Snapchat it to a friend. And this was apparently common sure. amongst his friends. Interesting. That's, that's so interesting. what does the Discover feature do? Yeah, so Discover, it's it's now, I mean, Snapchat is becoming more and more of kind of a, a media company in some ways mm-hmm. with, with first, they started with my story so I can broadcast out the story that lasts 24 hours of things I'm doing every day. Then they uh, started releasing our stories, which is like a combination of like 
you know, stories from different events, whether it's Winter X Games, I think, was this last weekend. Or Sundance. Yep. Sunday, Eric, did you yeah. have any uh, snaps? In the did Sunday? you show up there? I, <laughs> I did not. It's not a snap. It was, uh, yeah, Sundance. What happens Sundance stays at Sundance. Uh, <laughs> Could have been Snapchat famous. Yeah. <laughs> 24 hours. Um, and so then today they announced their Discover feed, which is, you know, from what I've gathered so far, just different media companies to start with, like CNN, mm-hmm. Cosmopolitan, Daily Mail, Food Network, People. It's sort of like a reimagining what TV would look like on mobile. Yeah, it's, so you, you, you look at these like different icons, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'm going to click on the cosmetology because um, yeah. I'm clearly into that content. It's interesting. I, you know, I, I was just doing the same thing, loading it right now, and I found the UI actually to be kind of hard to, to figure out. I kept, yeah. uh, maybe I'm, I'm a little... Did you uh, see the introductory? Well, I saw, the, I saw the dancing ghost, and it took me a bit of time to, to figure out <laughs> how to navigate away from it. Yeah. So I'm looking at cosmopolitan. It actually looks very much like a magazine. So I'm swiping left and right. Fashion. I think that depends on what you're... No, no. That wasn't a question. <laughs> that that was Why you should date a nerd. So there's some sort of... It's like an article. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. And who's creating this content? This is all Cosmopolitan? This is Cosmopolitan, yeah. Cosmopolitan, yeah. Oh, there's... I, I read something that's interesting. That uh, Facebook news is all, all algorithm. Mm-hmm. But Snapchat is all... Someone's curating that. Hmm. Um, and they explicitly said somewhere that this is not social media. Discover isn't about what's most popular. We count on editors and artists, not clicks and shares, to determine what's important. Hmm. So that's an interesting kind of philosophical stance for mm-hmm. for a company like Snapchat to take. I mean, there's been such a, a strong movement towards algorithms and machines to curate things, and that's good for I think certain contexts. Like I think it makes sense for Facebook. Mm-hmm. But then there's a whole world of editorial. There's a whole world of um, personalization. There's there's a lot of different ways of curating content. Um, and product is that kind of at a unique intersection mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. And that it's crowdsourced. You know, anyone could vote, but you know, kind of vetted people can can choose what they can vote. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of a combination of there are different like tiers. Yeah. Yeah. And it, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a, a town hall. And that's the way Paul Graham describes Hacker News. It's like a town hall of you know, a bunch of geeks that love technology mm-hmm. and they, they just surface what they think is most interesting. It's the well, same for product hunt and different type of category of people. I think it's important to have that mix though because if you go pure editorial, it's really hard to guarantee that the incentives are in line with like who you're kind of marketing to or who the mm-hmm. consumers of the content is and who the content providers are. It's really easy to, to go down the slippery slope of it's just, you know, advertisement and yeah. marketing at some point. What else I found really interesting in playing just right now with uh, this feature is that the interactions that I'm used to having with the app, which is if I want to watch a video, I have to hold down. I did that I kept, at first too, I, right? Yeah, so yeah. I find myself pressing hard on my screen here, and it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they've changed some of the core yeah. interaction paradigms. But I think this is really a smart move. I mean, I think it's the, the natural progression of, of where Snapchat um is heading and, and going from the kind of this novelty into a, a true means of, of um, true means of communication mm-hmm. and, and a, a, a platform for publication and expression. And um, I mean, look, we're talking about a company that's valued in billions of dollars. So I'm not sure we call it a startup, but I do think it, it, it shows a lot more uh, vision than a lot of people gave uh, Evan and the team credit for, Absolutely. myself included. It makes so much sense. It's building upon like that, you know, you use ephemeral content to build like a distribution channel in the network. Mm-hmm. And now you put like reliable kind of evergreen, you know, providers and kind of mm-hmm. move that. It, it's actually, yeah. 
really smart. Yeah. Doing the bait and switch a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as a user early on, I think the thing I didn't fully grasp was not just the functionality of ephemeral, that it, it disappears, but how that actually impacts the content and the quality of the content. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I think of Instagram as the best version of myself for what I'm doing, I curate it, I crop it, I put a nice filter on it. But that's going to be a very different experience or side of myself that I'm showing to my friends or to my world. Whereas with Snapchat, the fact that it's ephemeral, I think, is it's, it's, it's more than just a function. It actually creates content that is more of me being my true self because I don't have to worry about it, you know, becoming part of my public persona. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's like honest content in yeah. that way, right? But I feel like that also has an interesting implication for the type of uh, content they're now putting from like, you know, standard providers because yeah. you would expect to see certain stuff in Cosmopolitan. And if you see the same stuff, that's great. But how do you bring that mm-hmm. kind of that additional aspect um, that was part of the ephemeral peer-to-peer network? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that come out of like the editors? How do you that's get to that? And not to get too deep into the weeds, we just did a, uh, a video on nostalgic apps for Forbes. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, how does this concept of ephemerality play into nostalgia? Like, and this is one reason why I'm not an active Snapchat. Like, do you have some snaps that are so good that you just wish you kept? I'm just like a, an improviser and freestyler by nature, so there's a lot of content that I make that I want to save yeah. And, yeah. and look at you know, in a long time. And I'm, how do you guys? I save probably half the snaps that I saved in my story, I, I saved at camera roll. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, and I actually share a lot of those on Twitter or Instagram sometimes. And one reason why you Snapchat to take those photos is because it's also the fastest. It opens up to the camera immediately. Mm-hmm. And I do actually like the filters. I do like adding the text and resizing it and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying it kind of has the best of both worlds in that if you want to save it, you could just save it. Yeah, yeah, it's one button. And really easy. Yeah. I think another thing um, that Snapchat does really well, and I, I don't want to spend the entire session on Snapchat unless you guys want to, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I think that they, they really built a sense of community around some of these little design hacks or yeah. Easter eggs. I think you wrote a really great post about this, Ryan. But, you know, it makes you feel like you're part of the community and you're in the know. Mm-hmm. And like the hack you talked about with Mindy, I know you're a huge fan of, yeah. uh, of Mindy, which is a really cool app if folks haven't seen that. Um, but, you know, the fact that you could push your Mindy's into your Snapchat and have these music videos, I thought it was really cool. And then even the, you know, alternative text. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think they do that really well. When I talk with companies um, that I'm a fan of or that we invest in, I always think that Easter eggs are sort of an undervalued um, part of building community. What's Snapcash, though? Or have you seen a use for that? I have received Snapcash before. <laughs> I actually received Snapcash because my Mindy's were just so amazing. That people just <laughs> Yeah, my buddy Phil and Tyler, they both that same day, they're like, dude, this is epic. They sent me a dollar. So it's not yeah. ephemeral cash, is it? No, thank God. Well, I haven't checked my bank statement, but it should be in there. <laughs> I mean, Snapcash is very... I did not see that coming, I'll admit. Uh, it actually now is very fascinating to think about how Snapcash and the media side and this whole like Snapchat celebrity world is evolving. Yeah. And can Snapchat be the one to actually start you know, creating this ecosystem for microtransactions where content creators can actually make money for doing stuff? Uh, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting opportunities, I think, ahead of it. Um, what, what else have you seen? We were chatting earlier about keyboards, like uh, maybe even like a month ago, I think we were chatting about keyboards on okay. iOS. Uh, me, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that was one of the big things that came out of the updates from, uh, from Apple are the, the unlocking of third-party keyboards. Um, I think there's a couple interesting things that come out of that. On the more fun side, I know Ryan, you and I have talked about this, but 
you know, there's this whole you know suite of third-party keyboards. Some are more productivity-driven, um, mm-hmm. and I actually don't use those, but I know people use SwiftKey and other things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's this entire you know um, movement of the kind of uh, visual expression. So there's the GIF keyboards, which I think have been been a lot of fun to play with, and uh, you know, full disclosure, we're investors in uh, in one of those companies uh, called Riffsy. But um, it's been a lot of fun to you know to take what started as emojis and there's something like 150 million people every uh, day I think send emojis, and then you've seen the success of stickers, particularly with Line and some other uh, some other uh, messaging applications. Um, and I think the next logical step that's enabled by these third-party keyboards is kind of rich media visual expression, where you can create, curate, uh, share, uh, and ultimately, you know, send um, this type of, of rich media through the keyboard. And I think what's especially interesting to me is that I like to create my own collections, my own personality, things that I find interesting. But I want to be able to take those with me across platform. So I don't want those to be siloed across different apps. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want those to be siloed in you know Facebook Messenger or in WhatsApp or in uh, any of the other messengers that I use. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool. I think about um, from an innovation perspective about the third-party keyboards is it sits at the uh, at the um, uh, operating system, you know, the OS layer, and I can actually take that collection with me anywhere where I can input text. I can now insert rich media. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the start. I don't think that's the ultimate vision of where the space is going. But I just I think there's a lot of interesting things you can do once you're enabling a keyboard to take over that that half of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. We we've noticed this in our um, internal. We have we use Slack uh, to kind of chat internally. Come on. There's a Giphy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a (laughs) Giphy plugin. Yeah, we got um, that too. That basically, I mean, it's insane that just the explosion of uh, expression, <laughs> as, as you say, that, that comes out of being able to just slash word and just kind of see. I think yeah. some of the excitement is around the randomness, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really know what you're going to get. <laughs> yes. Like it could yeah. be completely absurd and, and not really work, or it could just nail what you were trying to express, which I really like about it. Um, By the way, what do you put your rating setting? Because you can put oh, G to, I think, R-rated. We, we, we actually started <laughs> with, with explicit, yeah, like, R, like it's definitely and, and we, we, had to dial it, we had to dial it back a little bit because it got a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think we're on PG-13. Yeah, I think that's the right setting yeah, for yeah. kind of a, a company of, of our size. <laughs> it's like an inverse um, relationship to the number of employees. <laughs> yeah, to the right, exactly. Yeah, There's exactly. a tolerance right. level there. Um, but I do think, to, to your point, Noah, that there there is something about the translation from a particular word or emotion or thought that you're trying to express and that that visual thing that, that mm-hmm. comes out of the, the Giphy or the GIF mm-hmm. keyboard that you have, you know, today as it stands, kind of zero control over. Mm-hmm. And you have zero control over sort of tailoring that towards you and, and it sort of learning from you. Like even if you had the ability to sort of, you know, rate thumbs up, thumbs down to everything that came out of you and got converted mm-hmm. to a GIF or whatever, some way of kind of tailoring and, and creating a system that actually started to accurately represent the, the things you were trying to. Have you played with Bebo? No. Have you? The, the new one? Yeah, the new Bebo. Uh, no, I know. I, I, I had heard that the, they had a uh, resurrection, but I haven't yes. seen yeah. what, what's it doing. They, they released, I think it was last month or the month before, and it's, it's a, at its core it's a messaging app, but what's unique is you first customize an avatar, so it can be, it could look however you want, but maybe you want to make it look like yourself. Mm-hmm. And you can buy different outfits and so on. 
And what's unique is you can hashtag and type a word and they have thousands and thousands of words. Mm -hmm. And when you do that and it matches, it will represent your character, your avatar doing that thing. Mm. So it could be like New Year's Eve and it'll be like you partying or it could be like dancing and it's like you dancing. Mm. Uh, my favorite is YOLO. It's like some ridiculous, like you're riding a unicorn, throwing up, drinking a PBR. I don't know. <laughs> it's we, crazy. We, we know we love unicorns. At, at I know. I know. <laughs> it's on brand for you. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it's cool. And you know, it's, it's an app that's by itself, but I'm imagining, of course, they're going to probably release some sort of keyboard for it so that you can translate your avatar doing these ridiculous things yeah. anywhere, mm -hmm. in iMessage, in Facebook, so on. One of the things I really like about one of the recent iterations of Line, I don't know when they introduced it, but it was stickers actually became something that came out of what you were typing without you even mm -hmm. having to hashtag or slash or anything. It was literally like words in your sentence could on the fly be converted to pictures. So you'd actually be sending messages that were half sticker, half not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a mode you went into, it wasn't a keyboard you went into, it was literally like, you know, text completion, but it's complete this word with a picture, right? And, and so the, it flowed really nicely in terms of expressing quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, you could even take that a step further, which is, you know, make those um, hyperlinked, right? So, you know, talking about going mm -hmm. and doing something, you know, do you want to go to the Warriors game or something. It replaces it with the Warriors icon, then if you click on it, you know, it could hyperlink into tickets or something like that. Um, that YOLO PBR could like be, you know, order PBR on demand. Exactly, much better example. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like it's, um, you know, one of those things where when you see like a, a Giphy or something like this, it kind of triggers a, an emotional response much quicker than you would if you were reading someone's text. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's sort of like that's that's one kind of dimension. And the, the other one, and we definitely noticed this with, you know, with our companies, you suddenly have global access here on Twitter, you're on Facebook, and people are responding. Like the number of times I've hit Google Translate to figure out what someone's saying <laughs> to me is is countless, right? Yeah. And you sort of got this, I mean, if you look at kind of civilization as a whole, like it's kind of like a, a resurgence of Esperanto. It's like a visual Esperanto, which you know, mm -hmm. people are attacking it from different angles, but in a way you've got like this hieroglyphic method of communication yeah. that everyone can kind of understand. So it's, it's just interesting to watch that evolve from that, uh, from that perspective. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I, was, I was living in China for a few years and it was at the time that WeChat um, kind of got created and 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 the, what it came from is that it was it's a pain and difficult and takes a long time to type chinese and so they had to have a, a chatting app that let you just say it and it sent the voiceover instead of having to type it and it was incredible it just spread like wildfire because it, it was born out of this very basic need that texting the traditional way was kind of a terrible experience mm -hmm. and i think as as you just said pratap um like getting across translation boundaries and language boundaries that this uh this is the one kind of the one obvious way to do it it's it's not gonna not necessarily gonna be real-time translation and it definitely can't be audio so you don't understand someone else in another language so so doing things with visuals is a great way of communicating with people who wouldn't understand you otherwise what's the real-time translator one though well google translate just released a, i think last week a new new mobile app yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you just speak into it and it will translate in audio a different language. Wow. I wonder how accurate it is. It could have been useful because I was in Tokyo. But there's also have we done a translators, uh, a translation tools? Uh, we have not yet. That's there's also one where you can take a photo of written yeah. language. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't Skype also introduce something? Also, um, 
kind of translation real time over video conferences. They did, yeah. yeah. I forgot the name of it. In our first right. Forbes video, we had one, remember? But right before you were about to go to Tokyo, slated or played it? Uh, yes, that was a, a keyboard, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would translate as you're typing. You would to type, you and it would just so right. yeah. sweet. Yeah, I That's think I, awesome. I used it a couple of times when I was in Tokyo. Like, the taxi driver didn't know what I was saying. And yeah. I was like, okay, I need to go to Shibuya Hotel. And so I typed it in. I was like, pointed it, like, look at my phone. And he's like, oh, okay, got it. It'd be really funny if the app had a sense of humor. Yeah. Like, yeah. It would mess with you half yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would download that app and you never know what you're saying yeah. Ooh, when, when you were talking about Esperanto was that yeah. I was imagining like a super highbrow intellectual panel on like how <laughs> gifs and emojis are the new like evolution of I'm language I'm sure that there's a star look how far that's, that's basically somewhere. what this room is yeah right? look how far we've come <laughs> yeah okay so I just downloaded Google Translate just now and I, I this is the first time I'm using it so I'm gonna say let's see how this works Speak into the device, hear the translation, touch the mic to listen to both languages, speak either language to have conversation. You can also speak any specific language, blah, blah, blah. All right. Where is the bathroom? Wait. Where is the bathroom? Uh, there we go. It totally awesome. worked. All right. Um, uh, when is Taylor Swift... Playing in San Francisco next. Oh, I totally messed this up. I don't know how to use this. It's trying to protect you. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Anyway, it works. This is this yeah, is pretty be really impressive. Useful. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm actually so there's a topic that we haven't really talked about, and this is interesting kind of cast of characters because you invested. In kimono last year, when was it? Like six months ago or something? Yeah, maybe this is a you know product hunt radio exclusive. So I don't know. We actually announced it. So <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's true. Should, should we cut it out? <laughs> uh, catch on the back. Okay. Should we cut it out? Up to you guys. Uh, we have to. I guess if we don't disclose any details about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You could just yeah, we could talk. About this is how it. PR decisions are made, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is how it happens. Yeah. Very strategic thoughts. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. We can cut it out or we can keep going with this conversation. Well, yeah, the conversation. I, I mean, I didn't even realize that that wasn't something that we yeah. talked about. Let, let's, uh, let's just go with let's it. Let's go. Just yeah. so All right. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so I, what I wanted to ask is like, so obviously you, you, you invest in a lot of companies, you invest in Product Hunt, and what, how did you guys like connect and also like what did you see in Kimono that like made you say like, I'm going to put money in this company? Um. It's a great question. I was trying to, to remember that, the details today. I think I remember, but... Well, the original email intro is... Uh, the reason I remember is it was... I think it was Kevin Tom. It was a guy in our YC batch, and we literally had, like, a very meaningful interaction with Kevin because we had had some... You know, we basically inadvertently turned into a big data company and had uh, some scaling challenges, and he was this um, sort of dark horse database expert who saved us. And then the next yeah. day we got an email from Kevin. So any email from Kevin was like top priorities because it was very, very important. And this, this was winter uh, YC 2014. Yeah. So right. so Kevin uh, was one of the uh, lead engineers, senior engineers at uh, my previous startup, uh, Home Run, uh, which was in the local commerce space. And, and Kevin was a total rock star and it became a friend as well. Um, and so I'd caught up with him over, over lunch. And I think this was, you guys were in the same YC batch. And I asked him, I said, yeah, I've seen anything interesting, any, any innovative companies. <laughs> and um, he's like, well, there's this one called Kimono. And as soon as uh, he told me, you know, what you guys were doing, uh, and I'll let you guys talk more about that in terms of kind of the, 
uh, API-ifying uh, the world. Um, it really struck a chord because when we were uh, at Home Run, one of the big challenges when I was leading the sales team there was we had to consistently be asking our engineers to to scrape a lot of the sites out there to build databases of local businesses, and then we'd want to add additional uh, data sets so we'd know, you know which are the target customers we want to be calling on, which local mm-hmm. businesses. And we had to constantly be doing that for every city we'd go into, and we'd have to continuously update them. And you know we we wanted our engineers to be working on something very different, and Kevin definitely knew that, that pain. And so when I heard what... Um, that kimono was doing i said you know i felt that pain before i think there's a really big uh big problem out there with you know the the world of uh the unstructured uh web and find a way to structure it and make it usable and so um i'll let them talk a little bit more about what they're doing but um they were nice enough to to take a meeting given that they were getting a, a lot of folks were interested in talking with them as we went and met, we'll bring this all around to you, Ryan. We all met at Phil's Coffee down, <laughs> in, uh, down Palo Alto. Uh, if you're ever down there, there's about a 95%. Good things happen at Phil's, I'm telling you. That's Absolutely. where started. Phil's got some equity in all this deal happening. I know, I know right? I know, yeah. right? Uh, we're lucky enough to also be a part of the Phil's family. Um, but, you know, if you're down at the, uh, the Phil's on Forest Avenue, you've got about a 95% chance of seeing my partner, Aileen. Uh, she just camps out there all day. Does she? Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, so we met with you guys um, down there and uh, just were really blown away with not only you know, how personable uh, they were and how clearly how smart they were, but I thought that the story that they had of kind of how they met, what they had done previously, um, and then not just how big their vision was, but I think what's often difficult for technical uh, founders is their ability to communicate that vision and convey that to you know, the end user. And I think that was... What got us really excited was the size of the vision, the quality of the team, and, and the way that you guys thought about the world. Uh, and for us, I mean, it's all about getting to work with amazing entrepreneurs and, and that we can learn from, but that we we look forward to, to working with. Um, I think we felt that right off the bat, and we're fortunate that, that things worked out. But hmm. that's kind of the story. And you, did you close a, just went from there? Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. went from there. Yeah, <laughs> went from there. Let's not get into anymore. Yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how much I can ask. So. Anymore. It was that first sight. But but I think that you know to the point of <laughs> to the point. No, we I think we told them that day that we wanted to um, be in, and I think they had to decide whether they liked us or not. Um, but uh, you know, I think that our whole philosophy and thesis at Cowboy was really looking at kind of what we call life 2.0, which is. You know, how does technology help us rethink or reimagine you know, the world, whether it's your personal life or your work life? And for us, I think APIs are sort of the, the vehicle by which a lot of that life 2.0 happens, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that we were looking for ways uh, or for companies that would be sort of that backbone or infrastructure to the life 2.0 movement, in addition to investing in specific you know, companies that are uh, in that space. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then that was right before Demo Day or around that time? It was actually, I think, like three or four days before Demo Day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was was just before they they slipped right in. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which, I mean, it was great. I mean, from our side, it was a very similar kind of, uh, you know, interaction and reaction um, to you guys as well, Noah. I mean, we met with we met with a lot of investors, um, you know, during that time, and you know, as most YC companies do, that's kind of what it's all about. And uh, 
you know, at at our meeting, um, what we what we walked away with was was we just really liked the two of you, you know, and we really liked that the the way that you asked questions, the questions that you had were the right things. You you um, kind of challenged us in the right areas, and and we just we just walked away with a good kind of feeling. Um, and you know, that's definitely not always the case um, when you're talking to investors. And so, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff I think comes down to just you know making making the call is you know do you want to work with these people or not right i mean and, and there's a lot of other logistics around it of course but at the end of the day it's a working relationship you're going to have and you better trust and like the people so and it was the t-shirts too right the Yo, t-shirts, t-shirts won us over I, best t-shirts. <laughs> I have this yes. really rad cowboy riding a, a giant quail t-shirt that's awesome oh, nice. oh yeah, yeah the elephant one. Ooh, that's a good one too yeah i like that yeah we have a uh you know you hear it here first we have a uh, a secret sixth uh animal character coming out Ooh, soon well, um, we each get one of those yeah, right? yeah we'll, we'll have to make sure you guys get one but uh, that's that's going to be our, our big release um, <laughs> it's the next feature <laughs> yeah it's going to be the next feature but, um, product time. yeah <laughs> yeah well we're trying to keep up with your guys' uh your guys' t-shirt. That's why you invested us probably because you know similar brand it's animals. animals. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and, and Ryan and I share our uh, our Oregon roots. Uh, yeah. roots so yeah. there aren't a lot of entrepreneurs from Oregon and uh, especially like rural Oregon areas. So, yeah. but one thing I loved was your guys' kind of your founder story was where you guys came up with the idea and kind of your vision. So, um, I, I'd love to kind of hear about it because you have like a really interesting background too with like being a world-class triathlete and oh that was a yeah that's a different life <laughs> different life <laughs> but, but yeah you know, i love that you're kind of because you guys were traveling right and yeah yeah but so the, the 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 story begins um actually in in grad school so ryan and i were uh we're roommates in graduate school um ryan is doing a math phd and i was doing a Jesus quantum Christ. physics PhD. <laughs> <laughs> um at, at some point we each came to our senses ryan much faster than me um and decided okay you know this is kind of not not for us um and uh, so ryan went over to frog design in new york and then kept telling me dude what are you still doing there um eventually i like said yeah you're right and so i like left quantum physics and i went to join mckinsey um also in new york and so we continued to be roommates for a while until Ryan decided he was really sick of me because I wouldn't shower and went to China. So uh, living in Shanghai, and several years went by. So you were there for seven years, right? No, no, I was in, I was, I was in China for four years. Okay. Four years, so. Um, oh. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah we, we, kept, uh, we kept up talking about uh, we were going to take over the world at some point, right? So um, we, had to, <laughs> we, had to, we had to keep in touch. And uh, Pratap suggested this weekly call in which we talked about kind of you know, startup ideas and cool new products, much like this this podcast. <laughs> and um, we uh, we at some point decided, you know, we just got to make something and uh, you know prove that we can we can build something together. And so we, we came together and we built this little thing we called Air Papa, which um, I think that domain expired. It, it did unfortunately recently. <laughs> no. but it was, it was, it was an awesome name though, right? Um, and it was it was an app that lets you find out what movies are going to be playing on your next flight. Um, and so you go on there, you put in your, your flight information, and it tells you, oh, you've got a TV in your seat, mm-hmm. these are the 20 movies, this is how they're rated on Rotten Tomatoes, all that stuff. And we did it more of a, you know, an exercise of, can we build something, can we do it together? But what we learned through that process is when creating an app or a service like this, the biggest challenge is getting this data that's going to yeah. drive this thing. I mean, it was a disaster. And we, we built, you know, building the, the UI for it and, and, and all the, you know, design and assets and all that stuff, we kind of knocked that all out. And then we got to the point where it's like, okay, well, now we need to reliably update this with movies yeah, that are playing on these airplanes. And that was just a disaster. 
every every airline site was different. United had a PDF that it stored these things <laughs> in. Delta Jeez. had some crazy form you had to fill out. JetBlue had a page that was took like 15 seconds to load <laughs> and used all sorts of insane Ajax. I think it was stuck on the tarmac at uh, JFK for three hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so we, we just realized that this world of, of of web data and how it was formatted and, and all these kind of barriers to, to entry and, and getting it into the format you want it was actually what stands between producing an app that provides some value to users, right? Yeah. Um, and so that was that was the point at which we kind of realized we should we should probably be working on that problem and, and not um, this movie thing, right? But um, <laughs> uh, you had such a good name. I know. That's all I it know. takes. Yeah. That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. a good name. Good name is ninety percent of what makes a good business. Um, and you lost it. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. We but Kimono is a pretty sweet name. Actually, where'd you come up with the name? So this is uh, a little bit random. So, oh, um, no, in <laughs> Vietnam actually. So we were um, so you know fast forward basically six months after Air Papa, um, Ryan and I hop on the phone again. We're like, dude, like seriously, what are we still doing at our jobs? And so. I quit and flew to China and landed just in time for Ryan's farewell party. And then we set off to like figure out what we were going to work on. And we traveled through um, Singapore, Hong Kong, Shanghai, of course, and spent a lot of time in Vietnam, at which point we, we were ideating a lot. And we were getting a little frustrated that we needed to do something. So we're like, let's at least maintain what we have, which is air public, because all the scrapers are obviously broken by now. So, you know, we started, you know, rolling back into Python and JavaScript um, from the Hanoi Social Club. And we're like, this is just you know a world of mm-hmm. hurt so we're like let's you know idea number eight or something we're like let's just replace web scraping for ourselves it's like a tool for us to make whatever we're going to do and so we started writing this function and then we had to save the file as something we're, we're, we had to head out for dinner and it's like shit you had to name this thing something so um we just we, we, we spoke around we're like it'll be a code name so let's not spend too much time on it and you know there's this phrase open the kimono which meant like you share data so we're like yeah. all right great we should open the kimono of the web kimono.js was done and you know that was that's sort awesome. of how the foundation was la- was laid <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that's awesome well cool awesome have- thanks for coming on this is good yeah. uh, is there anything you guys want to mention anything you want to plug oh we went say 30 seconds of what kimono does man. yeah go yeah. for it <laughs> actually yeah, we didn't um, even talk about the details yeah what does it do yeah, so um, all, this, all, goes, all this build out basically, uh, Kimono, I mean, it, in its simplest state, it replaces web scraping. Right? Yeah. So um, it's a Chrome extension. KimonoLabs.com is where you get that Chrome extension. Um, and you just put it into your browser. You can point and click on any field you want on a web page. It kind of it intelligently recognizes similar items, organizes them for you. Mm-hmm. And you literally click done and it'll build an API. So suddenly you have programmatic access to kind of a live structured feed of data. Um, from that site and this is where it ties into Noah's point earlier about like life Mm 2.0 you know if you look at kind of um, the way we're interacting with the web it's much more through other devices you're not always going to be interacting with it through your screen on your computer and if you're not that data is not machine readable so it's basically not available or it's very difficult to get for anyone writing anything for the future basically so, you know, our idea is basically by having enabling people to build these APIs really easily, um, Kimono can play a pretty central role in terms of powering that next generation of non-screen-based application. What's funny is before we released our product on API, I know for a fact some people were using Kimono to create and scrape data from Product Hunt. Yeah, people creating were creating Product Hunt APIs. Yeah, and, it was great. And mobile readers and all these <laughs> yeah. things, right? Yeah, that was happening and we were like, we should probably just create an API and support <laughs> this. Like, <laughs> they probably still are using it. They're probably like, 
too lazy to switch over or something. People listening to this podcast right now are yeah. guilty of yeah. In the show notes, I'll give you a link to the API docs. You can use that if you want. Yeah. Um, or keep using Komodo. Pay us back. <laughs> pay us back in Snapcash. Yeah, I will accept that. RR Hoover. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. What about you, Noah? Uh, nothing to plug. I mean, I guess I'd say that, uh, you know, we at Cowboy, we're, you know, we're passionate about working with great founders who are working really big and interesting ideas. Um, and so certainly feel privileged to, to be able to work with uh, not only um, Ryan and Pratop at Kimono, but of course getting to work with you guys here at Product Hunt. Um, and so, yeah, my only plug is if there's you know really awesome entrepreneurs out there working on really interesting challenges, um, we'd love to meet you, love to talk to you. And um, and you might just get a, an awesome shirt. Yeah. You might, yes, you might get an awesome soft shirt. Um, and uh, we have, ooh, this is the other one, we have some awesome new stickers coming out. You'll really? See those. Yes. Oh yeah. I always like your guys' branding. It's it's always delightful. Yeah, I wish I could yeah. I wish I could take credit for that, but uh, that was the awesome work of, of my partner Aileen, uh, who has a real great knack for that. But mm-hmm. um, I think that in venture some people take it too seriously. Yeah. And yeah. it feels a little too stuffy and, and which is why I resisted going into the investing side for a long time. But um, you know, I think we like to approach it a little bit differently and have a lot of fun with it. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's that. It's awesome. Is that the origin of the name of Cowboy? Just kind of a fun. How'd you come up with it? Um, my partner's son. Her name is. Uh, his name is Cowboy. Wow. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yes, uh, he is uh, an adorable, uh, I believe, four-year-old now. But uh, but um, his two older sisters. Um, had the option of naming him when uh, Aileen was pregnant, and uh, I think the name was something along the lines of Cowboy Shiny Princess Dolphin, something along those lines. And uh, I think they uh, he lucked out with uh, Cowboy. Wow, yeah, Shiny Princess Dolphin. Wow, I like the Cowboy. That's an interesting name. Well, I think it actually you know encapsulates the spirit of yeah. you know what we're trying to do, and yeah. um, and uh, you know kind of folks who are really going out there and, and taking a big swing at at, at at, at kind of going after their dreams and chasing it and kind of going against the grain and I think that's yeah that's something that uh, we like to support yeah cool thanks for going on yeah thanks for having yeah, us thanks for having us and your uh, new offices are awesome I know it's nice to have one right just get a door on the bathroom yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that yeah one step at a time guys <laughs> <laughs>